There is something inherently cringe about recording a podcast. Welcome to the Cop On, where we make sense of things you probably don't care about with a hefty side of lukewarm social critique. I'm Julia, and I have forgotten everything about this podcast. I'm Lucy, and I only agreed to doing the podcast again because I like validation. I'm Ash, and I'm here. We're back. <laughs> it's very weird. I don't enjoy how awkward I feel, but I'm glad that we're doing this. Yeah, I'm pretty nervous about the whole thing. It just feels a bit strange, even though it doesn't feel like we quit that long ago. But we did. We quit so long ago now. Two years. Two we also years. didn't quit. We didn't. Yeah, that's we, the just we just stopped. stopped. <laughs> we just said that's it. The end of it. We all just kind of disbanded for a while. There was actually a really bad feud going on between the three of us. Yeah. yeah nothing we, else globally. <laughs> nothing else. Just a personal fight <laughs> that we've all managed to make amends. Mm-hmm. And we're back. Jokes aside, uh, things got a little bit tricky during the pandemic when it came to podcast recording. Uh, in the never-ending cycle of lockdowns um, and trying to make things work from three different households. And we just never picked back up. It just wasn't on the wasn't on our agenda. For those of you who were on the journey with us, you heard the sound quality. You know what we're talking about. It wasn't something that we were hiding mm-hmm. particularly well. And while there were benefits to the technology, like having three tracks, amazing for editing, everything else was shit. And it's so much harder to riff off people when there's a delay in what's being said. Yeah, I think as well when it's just, you've got so much other things going on in your life and you're like, yeah. you know, I want to, I don't have the energy to be like, <laughs> to laugh, to laugh or do a whole <laughs> podcast. And also, I know you're always saying like, I want to be friends outside the podcast and we actually are friends outside the podcast. But you don't want your only time that you see people or like get to hang out with people to be like, oh, we have to do this podcast because we weren't really able, able to hang out with people. So it just kind of became a bit... You know, I didn't want to do that with my time. It was great, but... Yeah, it, it, exactly. All of that's so true. Uh, especially, like, the crippling sadness of some parts of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I think that really was what knocked the wind out of the cop-ons sails. Um, but we're back. And relatively mentally well. Question <laughs> <Ooh>. mark. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not speak too soon. <laughs> I mean, we're not thriving, but we're surviving still. Yes, I think we're back. A lot has changed. And when I think back to when we first started this, which was, what, June 2019, I think we're all massively different people. Yeah. We have very different, like, circumstances. We, in the time that we've quit, our living circumstances have so much changed that Lucy and I lived together briefly and never once recorded while we were doing that. You two lived, <laughs> lived together again and mm-hmm. are now coming to the end of that. So, like, I think... Um, it's just it's an interesting phase to come back now and be like, we have things to talk about. Lots has happened. A lot of reflections episodes we want to revisit so I'm happy that we have decided not to quit overall it's interesting that you say that because this episode is about quitting (gasps) oh my god what do we call that in the podcast world a segue (laughs) I wish we had air horn (laughs) (laughs) I mean we were doing our own air horn for many a time and I don't think we'll ever change (laughs) we could be the like most successful podcasters I refuse to have an actual air horn Mm -hmm. it'll always be us we could download one for free in case anyone thinks it's a casting no (laughs) it's not I think it kind of adds a bit more to it it's like you know Ted Lasso where he doesn't have a whistle and he just shouts whistle Yeah, I think it adds a bit more to it it has a bit more gravitas yeah we're actually artists yeah Yeah. Uh, anyway quitting (laughs) who's done it before um, I quit many things. Same. Quit. Pro quitter. Pro, I 
have always considered myself to be a bit of a quitter. Um, so, fun fact, was diagnosed with ADHD in the time that we were not together. And so that makes a lot of sense. I used to write tons and tons of stories as a child. Like, I would make my own little book. I would staple the book together. I would draw all the pictures. And I would consistently get about 75% of the way done. I knew what the ending of my story was and I would just never finish it. And I remember thinking back to that and being like, hmm, (laughs) other people can finish books because they get published. Why can't I? So I've just always assumed that quitting was an inherent part of who I am. So very comfortable quitter and to my detriment, I think at times. Do you think that you're a quitter or do you think that it's like ADHD related executive dysfunction to an extent? No, I think the executive dysfunction comes into it when it's like, I um, I can't start things with my executive dysfunction. Mm-hmm. I get bored of it and then drop it. And so that's been like a, a theory. Like that's happened in jobs. <laughs> it's happened in schoolwork. I can get started and I'm like, this is great. And this is really interesting and I'm learning and this is fantastic. And then I'm just like, I don't want to do this anymore. And probably executive dysfunction plays a part in that. Um, but I just assumed it was just me and that I was doing something wrong or that I wasn't trying hard enough I think for a long time but I also didn't yeah. hold that against myself too much I like you are I like okay so you guys as listeners don't know Julia but I do you are like good at quitting in like a very positive way where you quit when you're like I think you're good at avoiding sunk cost fallacy for the most part I think it appears that way but it's that I'm it goes hand in hand and we'll talk about this more in a minute especially when it comes to like jobs it goes hand in hand with me being bored of my job now. That it'll, time timeline-wise, it'll make sense because of other things that are happening. And then at the same time, I'm also like, I'm not interested by this anymore, which means I'm not really working as hard as I could. So I think it's a bit of both. Is that not just having a job? Maybe, I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> like, I just like, is, does any, okay, when people really like their jobs for a long time. Ash, you always like your job. Yeah, I pretty like my job. Pretty like pretty like my job pretty like my job no yeah they're good I, well, I think it's because I like what I do as a job you know like I like to code like that's just an inherent thing that I like to do as a hobby even now I don't because that's just insane to me but yeah I mean I get bored of my job but I never hated them interesting well, whenever I hate my job, it's not because of what I'm. It's usually not because of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Although I do find, you know, when you end up doing loads of like admin work or loads of reports, it's all the busy work. Mm, so boring. I have to do. Oh, this is such boring work talk. Um, because we're old, I suppose. But I have to do like nine reports next week, and I'm just like, ew, <laughs> disgusting. I also find that I get bored by jobs like within a year a lot of the time. Yeah, the it's a year phase. timeline. And I'll I'll hit the ground running usually. I like so this is the thing. I like the work that I do. I work in tech. I've moved up now away from content moderation and I'm in like program management. It's still enforcement area. I think it's super interesting. I think it's really important. I really enjoy it. But if you put me in something where you're like, this is your job and it sort of stays like that for a year, I start to get bored and I want more and I want to be working on different projects. Why are roles different? <laughs> I fully agree. <laughs> I wish if if I could do different things all the time, I wouldn't be bored. Doing the same report like twice a month. I'm going to quit my job. Like, do you ever get like the this like insatiable, I'm going to call it a feminine urge because I don't think men do it so way. This insatiable feminine urge just completely change your career like mm-hmm. all the time. Oh, um, I've done it three times. So yes, I know completely about that. 
yeah, it's just you don't want to just want to reinvent yourself and be like someone completely different. I love. I think all three of us like to learn. Yeah, we're well, learner type Pokemon. No, not really. I hated college. I hated college so much, so much so that I did it three times. But you know, <laughs> but it must have been hard because you can't read. Shut the. I can read. Okay. Um, Prove it. Not bring this back. <laughs> Prove it, Leah Michelle. <laughs> this is the real reason we quit. This, this joke was just, just upsetting. Actually, us too got much. really personal. Okay, I started to doubt that I could actually read. I was gaslit into thinking that I could not read for two whole years. Um, no, so I kind of like very infamously quit nursing after only two weeks and one of those weeks was freshers week then decided I wanted to do so did you just do the drinking and then drop out yeah but you know what the first day I was I did it in Trinity like woo big whoop but the first day I went in when I figured out that I was not going to be in the Trinity campus I was in the gas building on Delirious Street that's what turned me I was like nah fuck this shit I'm not spending four years on Delirious Street when I actually go to Trinity it's not called the gas building <laughs> it is, is it? called the gas building because it has the big gas sign over it well that's a terrible name nobody's going to want to and go to the gas building and that's where all the nurses building. are and then I did one place like I did I went to James's Hospital and I learned how to do CPR on a baby not a real baby um, sorry my brain started with the, the cupcake song <laughs> I saved dick packing in a CPR. Yeah. But not that. That's exactly what I did in the hospital. And I wasn't, I didn't have to quit. I was actually kicked out of college <laughs> for that entire thing. Um, no, I did, yeah, I did one week and then I just quit. And it was the best thing that I've ever did. And then I did marketing, have a degree in that. Um, don't make that face. <laughs> Some of us do marketing for a living for ourselves. better at it. You could stick it out, you know. Um, and Did then you I, finish your marketing I actually, degree? I have a degree in marketing. Amazing. And then I went to two job interviews and I was like, Jesus Christ, this work sucks. I don't want to do this as a job. Uh, that's my point made for a second time. <laughs> Maybe the work just sucks, okay? Marketing. So uh, I just did a year conversion course into coding and I taught myself and now I'm a developer. And I don't, I don't think I'll reinvent myself again unless I want to be like famous or something. Like I do something else. Like a famous podcaster. Famous podcaster. What's that thing you did? The conversion. It's a springboard. Springboard, yeah. Springboard's sick. Honestly, it was a free course. I didn't yeah, have to do anything. It was great. Fucking dope, isn't it? And now I'm I'm in the tech world. It's great. And you make more money than most people combined. <laughs> I actually don't. I don't know what this. Don't tell people. <laughs> I'm not allowed to talk about. It. I got in trouble for trying to tell someone Ash's salary without her consent. <laughs> the world's trying to keep me down. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's just trying to Was I silent or was I silenced <laughs> um, No but like to be fair Coders are known for having Oh no like I have A, a nice a juicy salary Yeah it's comfortable definitely Yeah but like I'm comfortable Like an old pair of shoes That you've worn in a long time You're comfortable like An Hermes slipper <laughs> If I could buy a pair Then I would agree um, I can't But yeah I think there is Kind of this This beauty In being able to quit And reinvent yourself Definitely. Because I don't like, I'm so happy at where I am now. And that wouldn't have happened if I'd been like, oh, do you know what? I can't quit. I need to be a nurse. Like, I would, Jesus Christ, who would I be if I actually was still a nurse? You wouldn't be on this podcast because you wouldn't, wouldn't have the time. <laughs> you definitely, you probably wouldn't have anywhere near the amount of money you have. That's because nurses are poorly paid. I'm not making fun of nurses. Yeah, no, nurses deserve way more pay. I think yeah. I'd probably be in Australia or something. Like, I would have left the country. That might be nice, though. What if you could surf? I kind of miss my hypothetical life as a nurse now. Me too. I've I've become wistful for your life as an Australian surfing nurse. Yeah, there is like a really... Okay, I'm not sure if it's Irish. It feels... I know it's like very American too. But like I feel like Irish people are like, don't quit. Never quit. Like, you know, like there's the old stereotype of like, 
we all know that some people's parents stay together just for the sake of it. It's very Catholic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is very Catholic. Like you gotta stick up. to it. You gotta stick to it. You gotta work. I'm like, why? <laughs> Quitting is so much fun. The feeling yeah. when you've handed in your notice and you have that last 30 days. Mm-hmm. I, first of all, it's my most productive time ever, which is insane. And I know a lot of people don't do that. But for me, I'm like... I'll just get all the stuff done because when I'm quitting I'm almost always quitting with animosity towards management and structure mm-hmm. as opposed to I've typically done jobs where people rely on me for like quite large teams and so I'm like I'm just going to do everything I can to help you guys so that it's, you're not screwed over I just get so much done because I'm like if I don't finish it I don't care but I'm going to try and I just knock loads of things out it's like that feeling of like oh, this is no longer what I'm doing anymore it just like reinvigorates everything in me yeah I totally get that I get that and it's also like the feeling of a new horizon Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a it's a sexy little spicy feeling. Have you guys ever stayed in jobs for longer than you should have? Yes. Um I and you know what? It wasn't even a paid job. It was an <laughs> no. internship. Oh no. I am um, so when I became a software developer, I got a six month internship with the promise of having a like a paid job at the end of the six months. Didn't realise this guy was basically having like running an intern farm like a sweatshop for interns I'm telling you like, that's it, terrible it was so bad he would only hire interns I think he had one other guy that he actually was paying but that guy kind of gave up and I was just in the mindset of oh I actually can't quit even though I love I would love to quit because I don't have enough experience and like in this industry you really really need experience so I think I worked for almost 10 to 12 months without being paid and like this man tried to make me the CTO of the company I had to fire someone I was only 23 years old you had to fire someone oh my god it was it was actually horrific that's like it, can you say that that's abuse it feels abusive I think it was really abusive because the guy didn't even know so the guy had gotten an email being like you were fired but then the manager had disconnected his email so the guy turned up to work the next day but he had been like at an appointment so he came in late so I was like oh the guy just thinks he's fired and then he pokes his head in and he starts coming up to me and going hey why isn't my email working and I was like losing it but I was the most senior intern so I had to deal with all this was your boss Elon Musk (laughs) so familiar honestly I think he definitely modeled himself off him Um, and then my boss came in brought him into another room to like do the firing but then I get a knock on like the other door and it's like Ashing can you come in and I had to sit down and I had to explain why we were letting him go intern to intern I was not even being paid for this <laughs> not a peer to peer firing yeah and then they finally paid me like as a contractor but when I finally quit because I was like I can't do this anymore I have enough experience to get like some kind of junior software developer job I had no contract properly, so I was just like, okay, look, I'm doing a courtesy week. And then my boss tried to be like, hey, I'll give you some stocks or shares in the company. And I was like, we make no money. Like, we make zero money. I don't even know what we do here. Like, I actually don't know. I'm pretty sure it's illegal, though. Like, we're just doing some bad shit. And um, we're not, I swear, for uh, lawyer purposes. But, um, but yeah, uh, I definitely should have quit that way earlier on. I quite infamously worked at one job for too long. Oh God, like startups are a problem. They're great. I love startups. I'm, I can't really see myself being a big company girl. Like, I'm not sure if it's who I am, but oh, like four years at your first big girl job is too long. Even even if you really loved it. Like, it's not a civil service job. You got to get out to make more money. Like, that's just how the private sector works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really bad. Also, like me and that we I think I've literally phrased it this way on the podcast back then like it was like an abusive relationship in so many ways 
where like it was taking up all of my time it was ruining my interpersonal relationships like I'm not sure like that job I'm pretty sure contributed towards a breakup like I lost friends over like I feel like I there's people that I wasn't seeing anymore and those friendships drifted apart way faster obviously that's terrible when I eventually quit I just got into like a really bad breaking point where they'd hired they'd hired like someone into a head of marketing role she gave like no direction on what I should do told me I would be doing the right to be like yeah that's perfect that's great that's perfect and then when I'd like bring something to completion all of like this like anybody senior level was like oh who told you to do this and I was like what and they're like this is like this happened like multiple times under this boss they're like and I was like um she told me to do it and they're like oh that's bad the straw that broke the camel's back I actually coincidentally had already interviewed for something but it was like really made me feel better about my decision I was going for like a final interview that evening or like third third stage interview had a uh, shoot if you've ever do, if you're a creative or if you're in marketing shoots are can be this huge big long whole day affair and if you're like in a role that's like producing it in any way it's such a pain in the ass blah 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 I showed up like an hour early that morning got everything ready I was like I need to get out of here at 6pm because I need to go prep for this interview whatever we get I leave at 6pm not everything had been tidied up because everybody else in that shoot was going for a management dinner that me and the other person producing the shoot hadn't been invited to we were the only people oh my god that hadn't been invited so they all tried to walk out to let us clean up and wave goodbye to go to dinner this was when I'd worked there already for four years um, and I was like I have to go and they were like oh well who's going to do it and I was like I have to go so I left I get this email the next day and it's like we are all very disappointed in the behaviour of you two me and my coworker, who hadn't tidied up after them as they went for dinner it's unacceptable and we wouldn't like to see it again like just like shit like that uh, and I was like oh, fuck you I think like two, a week later I was offered the position the job I'm currently in and I was like it was joyous like just like not working for them anymore I was like thank god yeah I remember that job clearly because we were like living together yes. during the height of it and they were like yeah doing the podcast as well during yeah. the height of it and you were you were like an emotional wreck like they worked you to the bone and we're just never the gaslighting oh my gosh. was insane and because you you would t- like because you talk to your friends when you're especially mm-hmm. when you have a shit job and you're like this is everything that's going on so you would have told me other things that have happened in the past and then you would tell me about the gaslighting that was happening about those things happening in the past and I was just like you have to get out of here and I think we were all so happy for yeah. you when you left because it was just incredible like I like I've been in jobs where there's been shit management <laughs> <laughs> this was next level and honestly like I think it's such a testament to how how patient you can be mm. in that you didn't explode I would oh, two years into that mm-hmm. and I would have burned the place to the ground like I've just been like goodbye I don't care fail for all I care it was insane you have to learn like I'm a really loyal person I'm a yes. Labrador of mm-hmm. a human being I have learned so much in my late 20s about why you shouldn't be this loyal like it's loyal to a fault after a certain point it's one of my best qualities but it has burned me so much Mm -hmm. I think as well it's that like we said about being your first big girl job like there is that kind of idea in your head that you're like well I don't want to be a quitter and I need to get this experience and it's going to look great and so you'll let people walk all over you and stuff but once you've quit one job then you're like oh god I'm a pro at this I can totally do this this is great 
yeah. But you had false promises as well, which is mm-hmm. also something like yeah. things were dangled at you, being like, well, if you just work a little bit harder, a little bit longer, this is gonna happen, and then nothing ever materialized. And it got to a point where it's like, if I see her boss on the street, <laughs> like it's on sight, <laughs> I'm gonna jump this person. Like it was ridiculous. Yeah, it was pretty grim. Oh God. Like it's so because I was in that job for so long, this is like my second marketing role. Yeah, which I'm like, I'm like, and because of that, I'm like, oh, <laughs> do you do you quit? Like, there's also in modern workplaces, people don't really stay in jobs for much longer than two years. Mm. Well, especially in tech. Yeah, especially in tech. And like, I don't like now. I don't know if you're supposed to quit. Like. Again, this is like another another thing about neurodivergence than me. Sometimes I really feel like I genuinely need someone to like sit me down and go, this is when it's normal to leave a job because I just do not trust myself to know what's the norm. So I would think that it is normal when when you want it to be. Like, screw... Everyone says you should stay, stick it out for a year, at least. After a year, you have a much better sense of like what's happening of what's worth sticking around for what's possible etc like for the first six months of any job you're still figuring it out yeah exactly. and trying to like learn your place in this new ecosystem after a year if you want out go mm-hmm. yeah what are you sticking around yeah. for especially if you can if you can make it happen and if you can get yourself a better opportunity like i think the idea that you have to put in your time that is an old concept that comes from people who ha- have been in the same career for 45 years and then they retire mm-hmm. and they're moving up within that career and it's very much like well you know you've done this for 10 years so now the, the natural next step is this we don't work in an industry all three of us are in tech in some capacity we do not work in an industry where that makes sense mm-hmm. or where that's happening it's a little bit cutthroat and I definitely take the stance of you stick in a job for as long as it's doing something for you and then if it's not, what is that thing that people say? Like if you're not getting paid or you're not learning anything, then you leave. Yeah, that's a so great. So if the money doesn't make sense anymore and if you're not learning anything anymore, you leave, you get out. Yeah. That's not mine. Someone said that and I was like, yes, this is very important. So I think you made the right call. Oh, for sure. But like, as you were saying, there is something in the culture about in, of tech that's kind of like nearly pro quitting. Like um, on LinkedIn, you, people have like X TikTok after their name. That's yeah. <laughs> I hate that. First of all, I hate LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a load of shit. Yes, I I'm the amount of people. People need to stop taking pictures of their own tweets, posting them to LinkedIn, and then the status is just agree. Oh, I want to strangle every person that does that. And because I'm in social media tech specifically, I see so much of it on my fucking LinkedIn thing. Um, is that not just like the equivalent of us having a podcast? <laughs> Is this not like just like the audio equivalent of taking a picture of your own tweets and going, agree? <laughs> I think it would be like if we if we did an episode and we replayed the whole episode of Bodies <laughs> and then at the end went, agree? <laughs> I mean, not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, truly. <laughs> like, it worked People well for liked us. Bodies. <laughs> yeah, it, it tracked really well. But I, I really get yeah, there's like an industry and there's just so much content, especially now with, with all of the layoffs that have happened across mm-hmm. the sector. You just see so much of being like, you should quit when this happens or like these insane work situations and bosses are not worth sticking around for, which is what I've done. <laughs> so I went from I think when I was doing this podcast, I was in TikTok for a while and that's sort of where I ended up. 
I don't particularly mind saying names because it was big companies and you can check my LinkedIn and it's all there. So worked in TikTok and I moved up pretty quickly there, did roles that I liked, worked with like great teams. Some of the most amazing people I've ever worked for are there, but I was chronically underpaid and underpaid in comparison to my own team. I was the lowest paid member. I was earning half the salary of one person on our team and doing like three times the work as that person. And purely because I had been there for longer, so I knew what I was doing. Like, no shade to that person at all. And then I was like, you need to pay me more money. And they were like, yeah, absolutely. And then it came to a performance review and they were like, so we're not going to do that. So sorry. <laughs> that was such a nice oh. idea you had. How about no? Yeah, I had a meeting with like the head of operations at the time where the concept so was up there. Who? The head of operations. I'm not going to say his name. No, no, it was like... <laughs> H-O-O joke. Oh my God. That was terrible. (laughs) Uh, Who? Who? (laughs) Had a meeting with this person and with HR and basically got them to admit that they would offer this money to an external person they brought in to replace me but they wouldn't give it to me because because they can't give more than 20%. But again, people were earning like 40, 50, 60, Mm -hmm. 100% more than I was. So it it would have been completely mad to bump my salary up by that much in one fell swoop because that's not how things are done no but it needed to happen i think that's such made up shit oh it's completely made up and so this is also part of the thing is that because i work in enforcement and i've been part of like writing the rules for things that i'm like the rules are made up by just random people in a room so none of the rules are real they can be changed at any time there is no regulation that says that you have to pay people this way there should be regulation and like law that says well, I mean, there is in terms of equal pay, but like it's not properly. It's not there's withheld. So, there's so it's much not like loopholes as well. Mm-hmm. But like even t- like TikTok, obviously now they're that gender pay gap Twitter account <laughs> publishes the pay gaps of these companies from reported oh. data from teams. And like TikTok didn't do great. But would you like to know what TikTok's official stance is on that? Because I was there when they <laughs> reported something. Women and non-binary people suck. No, it was that this document is done and this report is done with a gender binary in mind and in TikTok we just don't view gender that oh way. Oh my god. Oh, that's so funny. I call that with my non-binary. That is the most wankery thing I've ever <laughs> I heard. I, if they had like a fully they them C-suite, sure. Right. <laughs> that is just being like, okay, how can we get out of this? But also seeming like really woke. Yeah. Oh, I hate that. I mm. left to go to Twitter. <laughs> And that's where I've been since September and where I am no longer. I'm still technically an employee. I am fully done. Like, I'll be done by the time this episode airs. Um, But I went to Twitter. Twitter was my dream company for social media tech because I was like, I'm never going to enjoy working for tech people. I'm a socialist, but I also want to buy a house one day and will probably be doing it by myself. So I need to have a good salary. Mm. Got to Twitter, got the money that I really wanted, like more than I was expecting. So I was, you know, really very happy and blessed and privileged team was amazing the work was great I arrived in September he took over in November so there was always like little rumblings and my boss would be like how are you doing like have you been reading the news and I was like I just came from TikTok (laughs) everything's chaotic and I don't really care like to be honest Twitter was great but it was slow and I was like I kind of missed the pace I wouldn't mind if we could pick it up a little bit Mm -hmm. like that would be great he take he took he took over November 4th I think or something like that I wake up the day after the takeover to a message from my aunt being like, do you still have a job? From two messages on LinkedIn from reporters being like, can you tell us anything that's going on? And I was like, what has happened? Because we had been told that week that layoffs weren't coming. 
and then half the company had been slashed and we were like figuring out who like I was like typing in on Slack and being like just like looking up names and being like who is still here who's been deactivated it was absolutely insane and then company culture changed drastically after that all the benefits got slashed like almost immediately food got taken away from various places and in Dublin we still had it until January because we had a contract but then it like disappeared they start the food sounded good the food was incredible and also I'm like but then you had people who were really like how dare they take away the food and I was like well that was a really nice perk but also you know we a don't perk's need a perk's it a perk. yeah. Yeah, like yeah. it's it's okay then we got back in January after like I took like Christmas time off there was just layoffs constantly at one point he made an announcement to us in an all hands being like and he being the devil um, was like oh there'll be no more layoffs and there were just layoffs consistently every weekend after that it got to a point where I was waking up every Saturday morning because you would if you were in Ireland you'd find out on a Saturday morning checking my phone for a personal email like I'd wake up at 5am check my phone no email great I still have my job go back to sleep and then that's disgusting yeah. then there was a random layoff on a Sunday and we were like no day is safe so oh I started waking God. up every morning being like checking my email okay still have a job it's fine no that's terrifying then we had I'm like so sorry oh it was insane we had so many like random like we would just wake up and then be like the head of like my my team she left pretty quickly which was the right decision for her to make and then we had like really critical people get like let go and we were just like what is like what is happening and then the last major layoff that they had they shut us off from slack they shut us off from google hangout so we couldn't talk internally i had to reach out to the head of sales in the u.s via twitter dm to be like do you still have a job oh because God. you're a key stakeholder and he was like yes i do <laughs> He was like, I was like, do you know if anyone from policy has a job? Because we really need them. And he was like, I think they do, but I'll confirm it. <laughs> wow. There was so much. like, And there was a version of him taking over that I would have been like, this is fine. If he had arrived and been like, I don't know anything about social media tech. I'm here to learn and we're here to make some changes. Because some of his observations weren't incorrect. Like ads could be serving more mm-hmm. relevantly to people. For sure. We could have been moving faster. I completely agreed with that. It would have been fine, but it became paranoia. He sent us, I swear to God, an email telling us to recommit to our NDAs the same week that he's leaking en masse Twitter emails to to make make out as if Twitter employees had, like there was a conspiracy theory that they were trying to get Biden elected. And he's leaking emails to prove this, in which he doxes a low level employee. The breaking point for me, was when this project kind of came down the line. It was a crazy deadline. We were required to work for like a full weekend to get all this stuff done with no Did logic. you work on the weekend? Yeah. I Ew. worked on the weekend because it wasn't my policy area. And if I didn't help out, someone else would have been screwed. That's had it disgusting. been mine, I would have been like, I'm downing tools. I will fight you. I don't care. Because at this point, I was just hoping I was going mm-hmm. to get let go. Because it started off with us being like, Whew, okay, I still have my job. Like, I'm being, feeling like really relieved. And then as the weeks would go on, be like, I wouldn't mind actually yeah. <laughs> if I could get a little bit of um, <laughs> a bit of time off. That mm-hmm. wouldn't that wouldn't be bad. So we did that. And then we were warned by someone in management basically being like, if you don't do this, Again, no reason for it, this crazy deadline. There was no logistical purpose. But if you don't get this done, it could be grounds for termination. And I was like, do not play chicken with me. I'll win. Like, I will... (laughs) Don't play chicken with me. I'm a vegan. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I will absolutely call you on this. Like, Mm. and you can fire me and I will be happy to do so. Like, that's totally fine by me. Um, And then I think two weeks later, I had chest pains. And I was like, I should go get this checked out. Chest pains for three days. 
in like the left side of my chest they kept kind of spreading to the right and then I'd do deep breathing but it wouldn't go away and when I went to the I went to the ER spent 12 hours in Tala did they say it was stress? yeah they were like you're perfectly healthy this is stress and I was like I'm quitting now at that point I'd already you're not perfect the problem is that is that we don't count stress as like a symptom or an illness of itself if you're having chest pain you're perfectly healthy Mm -hmm. like you don't have a long term heart problem oh no but what they meant was like there's nothing physical it's just like there's nothing we can treat essentially you're just you're stressed Um, I think we just like I think nobody talks about stress in the way that we need to yes like being chronically stressed I've been like in that shitty job I had pardon me no it's fine anyway they can sue me I didn't say any names they won't sue you I'm always afraid I'm going to be sued anyway you know when you listen to do you listen to blind item podcasts because they're always like allegedly they have to make sure they say the right legal phrasing so that's me allegedly it was a shitty job Um, yeah I used to have such bad physical anxiety symptoms all the time like the chronic stress remember I got the eye cold tour yeah oh yes Jesus that was bad I I had a cold tour episodes with that Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh man it was bad special guest yeah special guest my eye cold tour but yeah stress isn't given the what it deserves fucking hell but I don't I don't know I wanted to quit because I was because I wanted to quit mainly Twitter is moving in a direction that I don't want to stand by anymore Um, I care very much about things like misinformation hate speech and how it gets handled and the the big thing that Twitter's pushing now is community notes that basically misinformation will be handled by the users so there's just a lot of like issues that I have with how Twitter's moving forward and I was like you know what this isn't something that I want I want to be able to go into an interview and say that I'm a person of integrity Mm -hmm. and that's not to say that people who are still working there aren't those people like people have mortgages they have visas they've got kids they they still care about the platform and I'm trying to do best by the platform there are some of the most amazing people that I've ever worked with are in that company and love them all so much and wish them all the best um but I needed to get out of there so that's I haven't quit a job with less than a year in a while I was only there I think nine months by the end of it Mm -hmm. and it was the right decision what are what are the things have you quit I mean, there's also like lots of I've quit many habits and things. Habits? My head, hobbits was the correct word, but it's not. <laughs> no, you've quit many hobbits. Habits, yeah. I think habits is probably, especially as an adult, is like the big thing that mm-hmm. you quit after that. Um, I feel like there's like it's this huge focus on like when you're like coming into your late 20s, early 30s. There's like this huge focus on like quitting bad things. Like, it's wh- because you start feeling back pain for the yeah, first time. Yeah. You're like, oh my God. I do feel bad. But like, why can't I just do bad things? There's like a moral judgment element of it, isn't there? So you de- yes. There's definitely an element of you're getting older, you need to get fitter. I think I read something somewhere once where most people who want to run a marathon will do it at the ages like 20, 29, 30 because it's like I think you really start feeling like I can feel that I'm aging and now I need to start doing things that mm-hmm. will stop that. And then everyone around you is doing it and so it's just like this endless cycle. Yeah, it's it's really true. I have multiple friends running like mini marathons or marathons this year. Um I everybody guilted me into quitting smoking. Okay, so my dentist was like, "Oh, your gums hurt cuz you smoke." And I was like, "Oh, don't be such a hater." Uh, I tried to keep smoking, but it didn't fix it. And then I actually quit smoking this year, which is a huge achievement. Mm-hmm. Clap for me, blah, blah, blah. Um, but like, I also like, I feel like there's a lot of pressure on me to quit smoking. Like people with smoking, I've always found it interesting how people feel that they can talk about your smoking. Like, I know this is like such an, un, like, this is a, a true hot take. But like, 
people would walk up to I knew a guy <laughs> this is terrible okay a guy walked but I do think there's a point to it a guy walked up to him and went you shouldn't be smoking he goes maybe you should be mind your own business you fat fuck which oh I, my god <laughs> but I think there is an element to it where you shouldn't talk about someone's health if you don't know them. No, I know. The thing is with smoking, when people are like, you, you shouldn't smoke, that's really bad for your health. I'm like, oh my God, thank you for telling me. Like, of course I knew this. I've always that's known it. that. I just I don't think it's like, it's people on the feel okay about it. Yeah, people feel okay with smoke shaming people. Yeah, I don't go up to someone who's like, I don't know, drinking pints all weekend or something and being like, hey, you should really stop that. You know, your liver, this binge drinking like, isn't good for you. Binge drinkers will turn to you and say, don't, no. Was I a binge drinker or smoked? Yes. <laughs> that is not the point. Doesn't matter. Why can't I be a binge drinking, chain smoking wagon? Because you have to be totally clean, mm. totally healthy. You've got to drink your green juice. You've got to get your little steps in. Like, uh, no, I completely agree that. I, and I think I'm probably someone who. You you did. You used to be like, oh, quit smoking. But when it comes from you, it, it's like. Nice, you're my friend. You care about the longevity of our friendship. I also would do it when you would be complaining about things that smoking was making worse. And I'd be like, fair, "Um, maybe we could do this. But I I would never go up to someone and be like, do you know what you should do? I would never think that I would have, like, also, like Ash has just said, people know, people know what they're dealing with. I completely, yeah, people are insane. And co-workers, like, I'd have, like, strange, like, I I understand that, like, taking smoke breaks in the workplace Blah blah blah, friend of mine, blah 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 blah, whatever. Um, everybody takes breaks, okay? Carl, you know, maybe you're playing solitaire. I'm just going out <laughs> and huffing down a cigarette, okay? But you imagine people in the workplace be like, oh, you shouldn't be doing that, that's bad for you. Imagine if I was like, open up your lunchbox. It, no. Open up your exactly. lunchbox. Show me that big bag of Maltesers your wife mm. put in. And I think something that comes with that's something I've experienced as I've gotten older and as I've like been thinking more about the world and how I fit into it, etc., is this understanding that the one lifestyle will never fit everybody mm-hmm. and that everyone has to make decisions for themselves and there's so there isn't a blanket decision and I think like with veganism gets pushed I think quite a bit as being like this is like one blanket decision you can make about your life that's going to make you healthy in every way but like veganism has got nothing to do with how much you move your body mm-hmm. it doesn't really have anything or is it vegan <laughs> Yeah, like the food you actually eat, the drinks that you're consuming, like the people who are still smoking, people like who are vegan will take drugs. Like it's got nothing to do with everything else. Everyone has to make tons of micro decisions about how they live their life. And you can have a personal judgment about certain aspects of it, but you don't have the right to share it unprovoked. No, I completely yeah. agree. Um, but just to get back on, to, on the track of quitting. Yeah, I quit smoking. This is really funny to say. Um, and I feel kind of like this is like a hot take. I have tried before, but never made it past like two hours. This time I just quit. You did really good straight out the bat. I t- I, so I worked with a woman who said, I was like, was it really hard? She was like, oh, I smoked for like t- 10 years, 20 a day. And I was, she was like, oh, one day I just quit. And I was like, what do you mean? She was like, I just stopped. And I was like, that's so weird. I was like, I could never do that. And then that's exactly what happened to me. I think that's it. Like there just comes a time where you're kind of just ready and you're just sick of it. Now, I also tried to quit. It uh, lasted about two, two weeks. <laughs> no, but now you don't smoke every day. So I, I don't different. smoke every day. Actually, last night I was drinking and I didn't smoke once. And that I usually have a, like, a, like a few cigarettes when I'm drinking. I don't have my vape, but it's still progress. Um, and I didn't even want a cigarette. I was actually very like, oh, the thought of a cigarette would make me sick. Um, so maybe that is progress. But I think it just can be one day you wake up and you're like, actually, I don't want to do this anymore. And that's the I think the only time you actually can quit, if you start forcing yourself into these things, you start to like actually miss it. And you're like, oh, well, maybe I can just have one. And you're kind of trying to cover it and stuff. Whereas if you're like actually ready, 
it's a lot easier. I t- for me, it was, it was kind of medical and I haven't had any huge problems or anything, but like just thinking about my healing ability and like my, my skin in a vain way. I was like, my skin, my body, healing ability, like, uh, you know, once you start getting interested in tattoos, I'm interested in healing them as quickly as I can. Which sounds so stupid, but that was genuinely one of the reasons why I was like, I'll quit smoking. So loads of reasons like that. Do you know what I find bizarre? Ash, you know this because I told you this. Rollies smell and taste um, like like pumpernickel bread. Yeah, I don't understand that at all. When you first told me they that, smell I was like, completely you're different. such a weird... <laughs> as soon as I stopped smoking, I think obviously my sense of smell and my sense of taste came back. Because I smoked since I was like in my teens. Mm-hmm. Not great, okay? I will say, not great. But they smell and taste entirely different. Taste, interesting. Because I did say quitting smoking. Sometimes I do like the occasional social one. But going from like 10 plus a day to like four a week on a weekend when I'm having a drink, I feel completely fine with it. Yeah. And it's like, like every A weekend. French GP would probably recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> Very likely. <laughs> um, no, the, the difference to how they smell and taste is phenomenal to me. Like, and it's not nice. Cigarettes were nicer when I was a full-time smoker. What you got against pumpernickel bread? It's like, it's like... It's not great. My sister, when I started smoking rollies, my sister was like, oh, you smell like a bonfire. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Because I couldn't smell it. Mm. Now that I can smell what rollies smell like, I'm like, it does smell like a bonfire. Yeah. It smells like you're like <laughs> fucking at like a small country festival <laughs> with no rules. Anyway, that's what I've learned about quitting smoking. The, my one tip to anybody who's thinking about it, and this is like a weird tip, but I've been telling everybody, uh, tiny pickles every time you want to have a cigarette eat a little cornichon it worked for me I just was buying like a two euro bar of, uh, jar of cornichons daily essentially um, and I just eat them whenever I thought about having a cigarette other things I think that like substances like both you and I have gone through periods of being sober I was sober for two and a half years and then now have like a better so <laughs> went sober because I was like I need to not be paying all this money on alcohol I'm not enjoying it anymore and I want to get like a little bit healthier etc and then I was like oh I have not a great relationship with alcohol um, and then when I got diagnosed with ADHD I tested in the 98th percentile for impulsive and addictive behaviours <laughs> the person was basically like stay away from drugs and alcohol you need to be super careful and I was never a drug person I felt very vindicated in that moment of because I had so many friends who'd been like you should just try these and I was like I can just see that if I try this that it's going to be a slippery slope. Mm-hmm. And during the pandemic, we had um, some funky brownies, which I thoroughly enjoyed because I was at home in my own space with people I trusted. And I was like, let's just give this a go. Really enjoyed it. Felt great. For about three or four days after that, my brain was just like, we need to do that again. How do we get more? How do we make this happen again? And so if I want to do it again, I have to also accept that it's going to impact my thoughts for mm-hmm. much longer. So I'm like, it's not worth it. Um, the alcohol is back, but definitely you're a, like you're like a low to no drinker yeah. like you're still there'll be evenings when you won't have a thing yeah fewer of those than I would like <laughs> but I enjoy alcohol I also when I got back to drinking I had gone through a very difficult period with something and then had like this massive pang of like I want to get drunk tonight and I was like that's not healthy we're not going to feed that little monster that lives inside of me and if I want to drink again I'll wait until I'm feeling really really happy and I did that and it worked out well and I can catch myself now when I'm in a period where I'm like I'm drinking a lot or I'm thinking about drinking a lot uh, that I'm like let's just take a couple of weeks off and it'll be fine when I was a non-drinker I was way younger than you currently are as a non-drinker 
I stopped drinking for a while when I was 20 because I was mentally ill. Um, so I had to because otherwise I would <laughs> wouldn't be here. <laughs> People, are, I am totally okay with saying this. Uh, should I? Should there be a trigger warning? Trigger warning. But I think you can put it in after, after. you said it. I think it's a trigger notice then. We'll just do some fancy trigger editing. Note. <laughs> uh, but like real choppy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it needs a trigger warning. I don't think so. Detail. I, don't I replaced drinking with having like loads of Red Bulls so I could still be on everybody's vibe. So here's the thing. And we, because oh we did our, when we did our episode on alcohol, I think I was still a non-drinker at mm. that time. So I may have already said this. One of the reasons we did the drunk cast was to celebrate you being back drinking. Yeah. 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 I remember having two and being like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) I think we had, it was just like one of those weird evenings where you have two, oh, I was pissed after two drinks. I don't think we ate all that much. I think it's also a contributing factor. No, we spilled all the popcorn or the pretzels or whatever we were eating everywhere. Nachos. (laughs) Nachos. We spilled them everywhere. But the thing is, when you are not drinking I find it very easy to be on the same buzz as people who are drinking to a certain point. Um, but once you reach that threshold, mm-hmm. drunk people are so boring. Like truly drunk people it are not true. entertaining to be around. No, I agree. It gets to a point where that you're standing in between two drunk people having a conversation that is not working. It's not meshing. It's two different topics. And you're like, I'm tired and now I want to leave. Mm-hmm. As long as you're still in that, like we're all just like buzzing and it's a bit of crack. I don't need... I would probably have a Coke if I'm feeling particularly tired. Um, but I'm like, I can like get on this energy. And then it would just be like, oh no, you're just all idiots now. It's like it's like hanging out with toddlers. Yeah. And they're yeah, having a great time and mm-hmm. I don't begrudge them of it, but it, I'm now going to remove myself from the situation and go home. <laughs> I went out for my graduation from college with um, all of my class. Everybody had taken MDMA. I obviously, like if you're not drinking, you're not going to go, oh yeah, I'll take ecstasy. I, it felt a bit counterintuitive yeah. to me so I completely did not I think I had a few I think I had a glass of champagne and then drank nothing else um, and you can imagine how different my sober vibe in the George was to theirs that actually kind of sounds like my idea of hell like <laughs> it wasn't that bad it's just like it's it's uncomfortable to hear people tell you that they love you anyway but to hear like people ecstasy love you yeah oh I've really again toddlers yeah, it was pretty bad. I had a lovely time. Like, I still had a great time. But it does kind of make you feel a little bit bell jarry, you know, when you're like, I am so disconnected from the world. See, that's the difference. If I'm, like, when I went to EP, the only time I've ever been to a music festival, did it totally sober. And when we were, like, dancing and stuff like that, I feel sober dancing to, like, especially, like, techno or something like mm-hmm. that. You feel so connected to everything. Yeah. If you can push past the barrier of and this is why I, I was using alcohol a lot to make myself feel comfortable in situations where I didn't feel comfortable shock so original I know um, but when you push past that barrier because like everyone's on something mm-hmm. you can just dance and feel great feel very connected to everything around you and I would get really irritated when people on drugs would interrupt me and my flow to be like I love you so much I'm like you've told me this six times already <laughs> um, and like it's I mean it's so appreciative but like after the first like second time I'm like I don't need to hear this again and I'm actually having a great time yeah. by myself when, I, when people take MD they're like no I really mean it I'm like no it would mean so much more to me as your friend if you told me when you were sober right it just means nothing to me yeah very that energy I want like I I am one of those people I'm uh, what, what I mean by one of those people I'm a sap I want someone to like message me like 3pm be like this is just to say I love you that would mean so much to me yeah I agree so you telling me like 16 times 
when you're on the bang does nothing for me on um, the bang it's the Waterford way of saying it I believe <laughs> I've never heard that before yipped is yipped. that what you want yeah yipped yipped on the bang on the on the seems to be a big way of just doing it just on it on it but on it can be anything exactly it's just a general term you'd be on the Red Bulls yeah you could just be on it on it it is a general thing it's a vibe anyway that's not drinking so I think a, a reason that people don't always want to quit is that there's like the fear of that like what you're leaving behind is something that you're actually going to regret leaving. Mm-hmm. Have you guys ever quit anything that you feel particularly bad about or that you have any like quitter's remorse? I think when I was younger, I did do a lot of like speech and drama and acting. This is just because I think I would actually make a really good famous person. Um, but I thought I was like, I was actually really good at it. And I just kind of let that go. And now every day I'm like, fuck man, I would have been... If I just like stuck that out, I think most of my quitters remorse is just hobbies I had as a child, especially like things like piano, because then I want to get back into it. And I'm like, oh, if I just stuck that out as a child, it would have been way easier for me to do rather than try and like come back to it or like quitting gymnastics. I can't do the splits anymore, you know? I would have been great at it. Yeah, that's a good one. You would have been a great stripper. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I mean, like, what, what else do adults use a splits for, okay? Um, Gymnastics. Like, I had to have a career as a gymnast. I think you'd be out. Oh, you're not killing right me. Now. I think you'd have aged out of gymnastics by now. Obviously not now, but if I'd stuck with it from, like, the age of six. And then you'd be a stripper now. I'd just be a failed gymnast after the, when I won Olympics. Failed gymnast. Great stripper. <laughs> um, the same, I also did drama, um, and I think I would have been great at it. And I also think that I'm probably good looking enough and like maybe I would have taken better care of how I looked if I was an actress. Um, I used to be a creative writer and I it was like always my big dream to write. And I talked about it so much that now people are like, oh, do you still write? Like people will come up to mm-hmm. me and be like, oh, do you still write? And it's so embarrassing saying no. But it's not like I consciously quit. It's just like my first marketing job was actually a content writing job. So I wrote all day. And somewhere between then and now, I lost all confidence in my writing ability. I also realised that having poor mental health was half of what made my writing good. Mm-hmm. So now that I'm happy, it's all shit. So in a, it's a good thing in a way because I prefer to be like mentally well, I suppose, and have good writing. But that is like my big regret. And every once in a while, I'll try to sit down and write. But I can never get past like a little bit. And it feels kind of like romantically sad. I get that because I feel that same way about singing was a big singer wrote loads of songs and similarly they were much better when my mental health was doing a lot worse with this sort of stuff it's not that I quit it it's that I let it fall away yeah and it's been so hard to get back to it so I don't regret anything that I consciously quit because I think when I quit that thing if if I've actually gone I have quit this there's been enough thinking about it figuring out if this is the right move and it's usually because I'm moving on to something else or this just isn't working anymore and I'm not happy with it Mm -hmm. it's the stuff that I've let go that you could say that I quote unquote quit but it was just because I didn't consciously keep up with it that's the stuff that I regret as a grown up I do how often do we actually quit things that aren't like a job or a relationship as an adult like with our hobbies I think that for me I haven't quit anything they just fall aside oh I quit watercolour but I just stopped going see it's not even like you just stopped going (laughs) you didn't quit it you didn't go this doesn't serve me anymore Mm. 
I yeah, think. I just stopped going because I was really depressed. And watercolors, color, I spoke about this on a podcast before, but after I'd done them, really frustrating. <laughs> like, I thought it was going to be like that guy on the TV with his hairdryer. It was not. Well, I think that also speaks to, and I feel the same way about like a perfectionist issue that may be linked to neurodivergency. If I'm not immediately great at it, <laughs> it's not happening. No, the t- other people were really good at it. There was like beginners that. who were just like, oh, I guess I'm a natural. And I was like, fuck you, Joan. 57 from South Kildare. That's how I feel about crochet. I just see people who are really good at it and I'm not at all. And I fucking hate it. And I still have all my things there. And I'm actually persevering with it because I refuse to quit. Because I refuse to give in to big crochet and be like, that I'm actually bad at it. Because I'm not going to let that happen. So one day I will make my own hat. I believe in you. You wanted to make, initially, she's really downsized. Initially, you wanted to make a cute summer vest. Yeah, and then I wanted to make a hat because I have a big head and I can't find any hats that actually fit it properly. I know a hat you have. You have one hat that fits your head. I think it's like a men's hat. It definitely is for big old men. (laughs) It looks like something my dad would have. (laughs) I can't find, like, nice, cute, girly hats. They just don't fit my head. Because you've got a big And I actually did measure my head and it is larger than an average woman's head. I think we've had this conversation before. I'm feeling a very strong sense of deja vu. I, I really want to like measure it. Should remember they were so in remember um what was that gang of people again? They're bad. Eugenesis. They were super into school size. I'd love to like Google we'll give them my school. Keep the eugenesis to yourself. Like, what about this one? Imagine if instead of having like a, a donor card, you had like a eugenics school donation card. I don't know if they still, do they still practice eugenics yeah there's definitely eugenics happening somewhere yeah it's all on the internet and they get removed for hate speech oh okay. <laughs> some of the incel stuff feels like mm-hmm. it's about eugenics yeah it, it pulls from it there's a whole thing about black people's skulls and this was yeah. why it proves that white people are better which is just like if you have to go into that much like depth to prove like superiority it's just not there no it's just kind of cringe to, to say that cringe. well yeah so don't give my body to incels when I die give it to eugenicists no don't give it to eugenicists can you? I have it yes <laughs> that'd be funny to like Imagine have just like show up at your door <laughs> oh in a box in a box that's a great you can make a movie. crystal skull out of my skull like you know in Indiana Jones yes yeah do that it's in the title of that Indiana Jones movie put it on your mantelpiece that'd be nice that'd be pretty cute I think what we can safely say after this first episode back is quitting not bad (laughs) quitting not Mm -hmm. bad as long as it's for good reasons things that are bad is letting things go that you actually love yes oh wow I can't believe it took us as long as it did to come to that conclusion (laughs) yeah this is very the cop on part of us ah cop on my cop on for this episode is my dear pal Elon Musk you're an idiot and I can't wait for Twitter to blow up it's going to be fantastic my cop on is to the man in the print shop beside my house who when I went in earlier I said hey will I be able to print from my phone he went no you can't print from your phone because this is a public place and you need to keep your phone data secure and then he goes but you can send it by email and I was like that's what I meant and he was like ignored me and I was like mate I'm trying to spend money do you know how much it cost to print 15 pages in this fucker's shop some mm, mad money 20 euro okay not like that 7 euro 50 that's still kind that's of still expensive too much. that's yeah. still too much money especially when he berated me come on 
my cop on this week is for the Met Gala who had um, the theme this year was in honour of Karl Lagerfeld who was a known racist um, and very fat phobic and just a general all around not nice person um, so they could have had many other people who they could have honoured this year but instead they chose him so cop on it, would, it could have been a Vivian there's a podcast there to another Irish one Murder Most Irish and they were like should have been Vivian and mm. I'm like should have been Vivian give us punk rock British anyway yeah fuck them thank you for listening to our it's not inaugural I think if we're coming back after a long hiatus but to our first episode back of hopefully many many more um, if you would like to follow us get in contact with us slide into the DMs seriously it keeps us going we don't have much going on at the moment please do it you can talk to us on Instagram at the copon underscore pod you can email us at the at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you tune in next week when we're doing something there's an insert joke here yeah. <laughs> what would we call that in the podcast industry a quinky ding a quinky ding